Welcome to the Later in Life Planning Show with Patrick Colley, brought to you by Keystone Elder Law, right here on News Radio WHP 580. Now, here's your host, Patrick Colley. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Later in Life Planning Show, sponsored by Keystone Elder Law. Keystone Elder Law is a law firm focusing exclusively on estate planning, long-term care planning, and post-death administration. And we serve clients all over central Pennsylvania, and our mission is to shield the middle class from the costs and challenges of getting older. And here we are at the start of a new year. Personally, and with this show, this is episode 53 of this weekly Later in Life planning show, so that means this is the start of year two of the show. I am so grateful to the people who listen, and your feedback about the show really does brighten my day. I mean it. Uh, A lot of work goes into providing free education that's worth listening to, and I believe it's incredibly important for people to hear uh, the kinds of things that I see and and to learn some of the insights that I've picked up in seeing the journeys people have through the later years of life. So when people reach out to my firm and they they say that they find great value in the show, it puts winds, wind in my sails. You know, it really gives me the, the motivation to keep uh, gathering this information and delivering it to you. Uh, but it's the start of the year for for most of, for all of you, and for most people, that means uh, some kind of evaluation of how things have been going and where things are heading in the future. You know, people evaluate their goals, reassess, maybe uh, set new goalposts to shoot for. And if you have goals, the chances of achieving them go way up if there's a plan to achieve those goals. So if this is the year you're going to finally buckle down. Uh, track down where your estate plan is and maybe make some changes to uh, the legal plan for the years ahead. My hope is that the last year of this show has given you plenty to think about. There are obviously health issues to think about, and previous guests on the show addressed cardiovascular disease. That was Dr. Raj Dave from Cardiovascular Experts of Central PA. Cognitive decline, that was Dr. Rollin Wright from uh, Penn State Hershey Med. We've, we talked about the effects of an accidental fall and rehabbing from an injury. We had Katie Martz from Fox Rehab and a host of other guests where, you know, we, had, we even had an episode addressing memory care, the specialized kind of care that goes into bringing out the individuality and, and uh, the, the communication of somebody who's living with dementia. You know, so with all of these these episodes, what are we talking about there? I'm hoping it, it brings to mind for you the importance of incapacity planning. That is certainly one of the big goals. And along the way, you know, when we're talking about these health issues, we talked about Medicare. That was Bob Pease from the Alera Group. We talked about the LIFE program an innovative, modern way to keep people at home but provide specialized care. We talked a little bit about long-term care insurance in the last year. And I, of course, would chime in from time to time with how Medicaid is the safety net for middle-class families facing long-term care costs. So my hope with those episodes was to raise your awareness not only of the incapacity uh, that can come with a decline in health in the, in the later years of life, but also the cost that comes with it and how predictable 
this is for so many families. You know, there's a number of sort of threats or concerns you can think about down the road as you get older, but long-term care costs are just off the charts the most predictable and expensive threat that the middle class faces in this country because, you know, you you, you probably haven't saved enough to pay $13,000 a month for the foreseeable future for care. And, you know, you sign up for Medicare, but then you find out that that's of no help when you need nursing home care. That's your your health insurance. That's how you go to the doctor or go into the hospital for a procedure, but they're not paying for nursing home care. So I wanted to get the wheels turning in your heads about not only the reality and the predictability of incapacity, but also some measure of asset protection. And because these long-term care costs are, are a big driver of the need for asset protection so that you have a plan for the cost that comes with a decline in health. And that's why I believe the middle class needs asset protection more than the ultra-wealthy need it, and certainly more than the less fortunate people who have nothing. They, they have no money, no property. They have nothing to protect. But, you know, the ultra-wealthy do asset protection because they're playing by tax rules. Well, you know, they don't care about long-term care costs. They'll just pay $13,000 a month, and they're not going to lose any sleep over that. But for, I'm guessing, 99% of the listeners of this show, paying $13,000 a month for care that is absolutely necessary in the later years of life, that that's going to wipe out everything that you spent decades saving and working hard for. So that's why I think that uh, there's a brand of middle-class asset protection that's different and in in many ways more important uh, than the asset protection for the ultra-wealthy. You know, so we've talked about incapacity planning. We've talked about asset protection. And too often, people jump in their planning goals to one final uh, big goal, which is having a distribution plan that makes sense. Now, all three of these are important, and and as you go into the new year, if this is the year, you're going to update your plan for the future, especially having heard all of the wonderful guests uh, that I've been fortunate to have on this show. If if this is the year you're going to buckle down and make some plans, I really do think having incapacity planning, asset protection, and a distribution plan as the big goals, then everything else will fall into line. But you have to handle the first two, because if you don't handle incapacity planning and the asset protection parts of your plan, you're making a huge assumption when it comes to the distribution plan. So if you just think, I need a will, that's how I get my stuff to other people when I'm gone, okay, you do need a distribution plan, and yes, your will does serve that role, but you're making the assumption that you're going to have money or property to distribute at the end of your life. And if you haven't managed incapacity, if you haven't protected assets from the cost of care, that assumption is going to not turn out well for your family. And even when you do distribute assets, let's let's say you did protect them, there's an opportunity for further asset protection within your distribution plan. So I'll talk a little bit about that, but that's my that's what I have on my mind today and what I'm talking about. I'm going to talk about these big 3 goals of planning because that's the best way to uh, to approach it. And notice, I didn't say, let's talk about your will. I didn't say, let's talk about a power of attorney or a trust. Those are specific tools that are used when you aim for these big three goals, incapacity planning, asset protection, 
distribution plan, you're going to use those basic tools. Now, the ultra-wealthy use those basic tools. The people with really nothing to their name use those tools, and the middle class uses those tools, but you use them in different ways. You know, it's it's understanding the job to be done before you select the tools to do the job. It just makes sense. You have to have an end goal in mind. You know, they don't start digging foundations and putting up framing for a building without some sort of design being prepared first. It's the same with planning for the later years of life. And And I should hasten to add that it's not even just, I'm going to be talking about the legal aspects today, but another goal I've had in the last 52 episodes has been to show you other resources that also fall under these three big umbrellas. I mean, that just even just last week with a, a personal trainer, Jesse Swoyer, uh, with some of the, the medical doctors who joined me, you know, exercise is a huge part of planning ahead to deal with the very high likelihood of incapacity or at least making yourself a little more bulletproof if that incapacity comes. It's maintaining independence. It's maintaining your dignity. So there are non-legal aspects of this, to be sure. Uh, but I want I to focus today on a general goal. If you, if you want the best way to approach planning in this new year, aim for those three big goals and everything else will fall into line. And I should also note, not every attorney out there shares this philosophy or even understands how to address certain concerns or threats or goals when it comes to estate planning. And the way I see it, and I know other colleagues of mine uh, in the elder law world uh, share this view, there are different kinds of attorneys. There are attorneys who do estate planning for the ultra-wealthy, there are attorneys who, who do it for the middle class, and there are attorneys who do estate planning for the less fortunate who really don't have anything. And they're using the same tools, but they're using them in different ways because of the threats, the goals, the concerns of each of those groups are just different. When it comes to the ultra-wealthy, they're doing tax planning. That's a very high priority. They don't, they're, they don't concern themselves with the cost of long-term care, even if that's just as likely for them in the future. The real concern for them is, is losing a lot of money in taxes. The middle class, uh, well, long-term care is a very predictable threat to your life savings. There may be protections needed for uh, other people in your life, maybe people with disabilities, relationship troubles, money management problems, addictions, on and on. But this is where middle-class planning is different, where we're focusing on these specific, predictable, possibly expensive threats. And there are, unfortunately, attorneys doing estate planning for middle-class clients who will just hand you some documents. Here's a, You want a will? Here's a will. And they have no idea how to build in protections that shield you need to protect you from predictable threats that will wipe out all of your savings and then the will is useless. They just don't know how to do it. But this is the definition of elder law. It's middle class estate planning and asset protection. Uh, and for the less fortunate, there are uh, wonderful attorneys in legal aid clinics. And they're, that's about the only place you can just do a will, do a power of attorney and not give any thought to what's coming down the pike. But for those of you listening who have not fantastic wealth but something to protect, focus on these three uh, umbrella goals that I'm going to talk about today. So more about that when I come back from a break. You're listening to the Later in Life Planning Show here on News Radio WHP 580. 
Now, more of the Later in Life Planning Show here on News Radio WHP 580. We're back on the Later in Life Planning Show. I'm Patrick Cauley with Keystone Elder Law, and I'm your host on this show. And I'm focusing today on the idea that that many of you are reassessing, reevaluating, thinking of improving plans for the years ahead, you know, being the start of the year. And I think the best way to go about planning for the later years of life, whether it's the legal planning, which I will spend the most time talking about today, or whether it's the other aspects of building that shield to protect you from challenges that predictably show up in the later years of life. And that's what the last 52 episodes have been about on this show. Uh, Of course, you can find previous episodes of this show if you go to whp580.com, in the, the uh, there's a menu in the upper left-hand corner, and you just look under podcasts for the later in life planning show. Or if you have the iHeart app on your phone or Spotify, Apple Podcasts, any podcast player, you can just search for the later in life planning show and go back and find specific episodes that might strike your fancy. But the the, the whole point of all of this is to look at incapacity planning, to look at Asset protection, very middle-class asset protection. It's extremely important in my view. And finally, having a distribution plan. Assuming you've done the first two right, there should be something from your years of saving left. And you want to make sure uh, that it distributes in the to the people you want in the way that you want at the time that you want. And I'll talk a little bit about that today as well. But I've, I've sort of set the stage before the break in the way I think about it. There are attorneys who work with different socioeconomic groups, and the approach is necessarily going to be different, even if we use roughly the same legal tools. Uh, so when people say, I need this legal tool, I need that legal tool, a will, a power of attorney, I want to sort of say, well, hold on a second. What, what's the job we're trying to do? And are they thinking about incapacity planning, understanding that one in three people will have dementia and that, you know, doesn't even touch the people who will have a stroke or some threat to their mobility, like a broken hip or a bad back or something like that. So incapacity is so common at the very least, even if you'd never need some expensive level of care. Maybe you're uh, living with your children and they're covering uh, all of your care needs wonderful that's that's uh, that's perfect but it's it's really kind of silly to just think i'll never uh have any sort of incapacitating health event uh you really have to think uh you know that that's the way it goes for most people and of course most people i think have the same wish we're we're all thinking we want to live a nice long healthy life and then one day spend some time with family and friends before going to sleep and slipping away without any pain or suffering while we're sleeping. And that's a great wish, and some people get that wish, but most people do not. And it's just much more realistic to recognize that a lot of people lose their cognitive abilities as they age. A lot of other people lose physical abilities. And the goal is always to maintain as much independence and dignity as possible. Many of the guests that I've had on this show are talking about ways that that's possible whether it's care in your home. We had Richard Ruda from Visiting Angels talk about how he is so careful about selecting uh, caregivers who will go into people's homes and the, the philosophy that drives his company and the kind of care they're trying to provide. Well, that's one tool for incapacity planning. Um, and, you know, what, what, what happens, though, when you start to think about what the other guests on this show 
uh, have said and what you th- even the legal aspects is you come to realize that we are all interdependent on one another. So when we're thinking about incapacity planning, that necessarily recognizes a level of acceptance that we do depend on other people and they depend on us. Right now, as I'm speaking, I'm interdependent on some very talented team members at Keystone Elder Law. There's nine of them. Attorneys, paralegals, legal assistants. We have a director of happiness who greets you at the door and does a whole lot more around the office. We have a client engagement specialist who makes sure that people find the resources that they need. Now, without them, all of these ideas that I speak to you about would be a whole lot harder to implement in a way that actually improves people's lives. So I very much depend on them, and and they depend on me as well. I contribute what I can around the office. And as I speak to you through a microphone in front of a soundboard with dials and switches that I am just fearful of touching, um, I'm completely dependent on the wonderful folks at WHP 580 and and iHeartMedia to deliver what I'm saying to thousands of people every week. So I tip my hat to Art Selby and J.C. Floyd and the rest of the WHP 580 team for the amazing work that they do with all these gizmos in the studio and how great the shows uh, that they produce end up sounding. Um, You, the listener, you are dependent on people right now for all kinds of things in your life. So I'm encouraging you as part of incapacity planning to be thinking about the relationships in your life. And don't ever think that even when you lose the ability to walk and somebody has to help you through your day, that they're not depending on you too. You, you don't devalue what you, uh, the, what you mean to them and, and the role you have played in their life. It's always interdependence. But remember the story that Brian Kennedy, the financial advisor from KCA Wealth Management, shared. It was about his mom. Uh, You know, as son and financial advisor, he was trying some financial incapacity planning by encouraging his mother to think about long-term care insurance. And she was one of 13 children. None of them had any serious health issues, certainly no cognitive decline, none of the uh, siblings. So she kind of brushed it off. Well, she ended up being the one in the 13 kids who had dementia at an early age. And she's a wonderful woman. She still is, always was. Brian was a wonderful son, took her into his home for many years until uh, it became necessary to seek out a higher level of care. But she blew through all of her money uh, for that, you know, to have caregivers come in. And and now she's uh, using Medicaid, which is another form of, of incapacity planning. But think about the relationships in your life. But when it comes to the legal tools and, and, the, uh, and to some extent your financial planning, think about... A theme running through all of this is sort of access and control. So the legal tool here for incapacity planning, the first one would be your financial power of attorney. Now, notice I talked about a whole lot before talking about a specific document because the document is just part of a plan. It's an, it's one way to implement a plan. And this is uh, the plan that allows all of your adult responsibilities to go on being met. You know, the things you take for granted, like, of course, I will pay my bills. I'll get my taxes done. I will change the title on a vehicle if necessary. I will deal with insurance companies if the need comes up. Who does that when you can no longer do it? If you're the one in three who has dementia, who does that for you? 
So you start thinking about those relationships again. Who do you trust? Who's organized? Who does that for themselves? You know, would they be trustworthy to do it for you? And you start thinking in the power of attorney. You One of the first things you do in that planning tool is you name who is going to do that for you. And you probably want to have a backup just in case something happens to the first person. And along the way, there's an opportunity to do not just incapacity planning with your power of attorney. I'll talk about how this is used for asset protection in a moment. But that's part, that's a, that's a huge part of managing incapacity is putting somebody in your shoes legally to talk to a bank, talk to an insurance company. What about talking to doctors? Every single person listening to this show right now has a legally protected right to say yes or no when a doctor proposes a course of treatment. So if the doctor comes into your hospital room and says, we ran the tests, here's your problem. And then they say, this is what we want to do about the problem. And then they tell you the pros and cons. And most of the time, I think people hear the pros and cons and they say, well, the doctor wouldn't propose it if it wasn't a good idea and I do want to go on living. So yes, go ahead. But, you know, at a certain stage of life, you might consider it an ordeal to go through another surgery or chemo or uh, dialysis or whatever the case may be. So you are allowed to say no. Well, what if you can't say yes or no because you are unconscious from an accident or you are uh, in the throes of dementia? Well, somebody else has to be legally authorized to say yes or no for you. They are exercising your legal right. And then you probably want to, in the living will, give them some indication of what your wishes are. What if we get to that point where there are some quality of life decisions to make? So the power of attorney and the healthcare power of attorney are key legal t- tools when it comes to incapacity planning. In the power, the financial power of attorney also has a role in asset protection, and I'll talk about that when I come back from a break. This is the Later in Life Planning Show, sponsored by Keystone Elder Law on News Radio WHP 580. Welcome back to the Later in Life Planning Show on News Radio WHP 580. Here's Patrick Colley. We are back on the Later in Life Planning Show, and I am Patrick Colley. I'm your host on this show, and today I'm talking about the best approach to planning in the new year. You're going to uh, revamp that old plan. You've, you've taken in all kinds of education if you're a regular listener of this show. So you know how some of the threats show up in the later years of life, whether it's a stroke, dementia, cardiovascular disease, an accidental fall, and all of the uh, recovery that comes after that and the kinds of care that comes with all of this. So I've talked about a lot of background, but I did touch on some legal tools that when you think about incapacity planning, asset protection, and a distribution plan, incapacity planning can mean a lot of things, financial, you know, long-term care insurance. It can mean just having relationships with people who will support you. But from the legal perspective, and this, this cannot be emphasized enough, having a good power of attorney for your financial and legal uh, and property-related decisions is just so important. And, and I see how important it is when when I see the pained look on an adult child's face and I say, look, we can help your father or your mother. We can, we can protect a lot of assets, even right in the moment of a health decline. But I need to see the power of attorney because that's the key. 
that's going to unlock a lot of doors. That's what's, you know, and they already know. There's no power of attorney. In fact, we've been trying to get on the phone with an insurance company and they won't talk to us. Uh, They say, can you put the phone up to mom's ear? And, you know, mom has dementia or mom had a stroke and she has no idea what's going on. So they run into a brick wall. And the power of attorney is what makes it all just the opposite. It's just a seamless transition where all of those little financial and property-related issues just get handled automatically by someone you trust. The healthcare power of attorney, of course, is your quality of life decisions. Who's going who's gonna to say yes or no to a doctor when it comes to certain treatments? I'll add one other practical side of incapacity planning. Uh, I guess you can put it in the realm of legal planning. It's making a roadmap for your decision makers, probably your children, and maybe even having conversations with them. So what do I mean by that? Well, if you make a roadmap for the financial side of things, you've given them in a power of attorney all of this wonderful authority to talk to the bank as if they're as if the bank is speaking with you yourself. You've given them the ability to call an insurance company as if the insurance company is talking to you. Um, but what if they have no idea where your accounts are? What if they don't know where your insurance policies are? So at least making some sort of list, these are the banks or other uh, financial institutions that have my money, maybe even account numbers. Um, these are the places I have insurance. This is the real estate I own. Just giving it a, a, them a rough sketch of where are they even going to go when I give them this powerful tool of a power of attorney and they're going to use it for your benefit. Where what, where are they going with it? So if you give them that roadmap, that's going to be very well received by them because you just took what could be a hefty burden and made it a whole lot lighter for them and they will be grateful for it for well after you're gone. The healthcare power of attorney, because it might get into some end-of-life issues, that's where conversations are are the same kind of blessing uh, or gift to your children because now they're not thinking about some pretty weighty issues at the foot of your hospital bed for the very first time. They want to help you, but make it less of a burden for them. Give them a roadmap in addition to giving them the great authority in your power of attorney and your healthcare power of attorney. So that's all incapacity planning. What about asset protection? Because I started out the show saying I think middle class people need asset protection more than anybody else. Uh, You know, the ultra wealthy, the people who don't have anything. The middle class has worked very, very hard for what it has. And the threats that the middle class faces will wipe out everything they have. You know, if the ultra wealthy lose millions of dollars in taxes because of, of poor planning, they still have many millions more. But if you lose everything because of nursing home costs, uh, you know, especially if you have a healthy spouse at home, and what are they going to live on? That's a much more dire situation. And so when I talk about asset protection, that's usually what I mean. What are we protecting against? Well, that's the most predictable and most expensive threat is long-term care costs. There are some middle-class tax mistakes, like uh, when people deed over their properties, their real estate, to children. Um, you know, you just gave your your child a ticking capital gains tax bomb, and you don't want to do that. There's a better way to do it. But really, it's it's long-term care costs. And maybe we're thinking at the end of your life, when we get into the distribution plan, there's a way to do a little asset protection in how you leave property to other people. And I mentioned as access and control before the break. And again, that's running through all of this. So 
when it comes to asset protection, I mentioned your power of attorney as being a tool of incapacity. It's also a very powerful tool of asset protection. Why? Because, you know, when you name somebody in your power of attorney to uh, to make all of your uh, uh, adult decisions for you, your adult responsibilities, the whole rest of the document is saying what they're allowed to do for you. If you have a power of attorney, you know, um, you know, if you need to go uh, turn the radio up so you can go search for it because you're not even sure where it is, go dust it off, pull it out, and you're going to see all these paragraphs of things that your chosen person can do for you. Number one, I hope your chosen person is still alive and well. I hope there's a backup to that person. But when you read through what they can do, find the paragraph that deals with gifting, the power to make gifts. And that really gets into asset protection because whether it's your financial advisor who wants to get money out of your name and maybe to your kids to avoid taxes upon your passing, or whether it's your elder law attorney who wants to make you completely broke on paper while keeping all of your money in your family because that's how Medicaid will pay for your long-term care, you need the ability to make unlimited transfers of money out of your name. We need to move uh, very, very uh, expensive pieces of real estate out of your name. Well, how do we do that if you find that gifting paragraph in your power of attorney and it says your chosen decision maker has the uh, authority to make limited gifts, or it might cite to a particular part of the Internal Revenue Code, which means the same thing. So if I put into a, a big treasure chest everything that you own, your bank accounts, investments, your IRA, uh, your your real estate, and I'm allowed with limited gifting to remove exactly $18,000 in 2024, does that make you broke and therefore eligible for Medicaid to pick up the full tab for your nursing home care? I'm guessing it does not. I'm guessing that will only scratch the surface uh, because, you know, you have to get all of that money out of there. And so what we need is the the authority to make unlimited gifts. Unlimited gifting is the key to asset protection uh, for a lot of different reasons. And again, we're just sort of anticipating down the road. This is what elder law attorneys do. We think about, look, if it's very predictable that you're going to need a higher level of care and Medicaid, there aren't a lot of ways to pay for long-term care. Medicare doesn't help, you know, um, and it, most people don't have long-term care insurance. And that leaves two ways. You either get out your checkbook and you write checks until all the money's gone or you go through all the hoops you have to go through to have Medicaid pay for long-term care. And that's how most people in nursing homes around central PA are paying for it. Well, we jump through those hoops, but the, the power of attorney is how we do it. And the unlimited gifting authority is at a very high level how we are going to get assets out of your name, unlimited amounts, not just capped. And the legislature had a reason for putting a cap in place. It's we, we don't want this... Uh, we don't want vulnerable people getting ripped off, but if you specifically say you can blow past that limited gifting cap and do unlimited gifting, now we can save an awful lot of money for the people you intended ultimately to receive that money. So look for unlimited gifting power in your power of attorney. What else might you do for asset protection? Well, again, anticipating the way the Medicaid rules work, if I'm putting everything you own into that treasure chest, you might say, well, wait a second. Um, you know, I heard that at the end of my life, uh, first I have to not have it to get eligible. And anything they say I may have, like my primary residence, 
you're allowed to have your primary residence and be in a nursing home on Medicaid. But when you die, they're coming after that residence. They're going to say, sell it, give us all the money to pay us back for your care. That's why I spend many of my waking hours drafting asset protection trusts. So in addition to the power of attorney with unlimited gifting, an asset protection trust just takes some of that property off the table. So it's not in the treasure chest of assets that they're saying has to disappear for eligibility for Medicaid. It's also not in your name when you pass away, so it's protected from them trying to get paid back. That's pretty powerful. It's not for everybody, and there's some pros and cons I can talk about, uh, but but the power of attorney with unlimited gifting and the asset protection trust are two of the the bigger um, shields that we're, we're building for people to protect them against challenges that are predictably coming down the pike in the later years of life. I'll talk about a little more about asset protection and then distribution when we come back from a break. You're listening to the Later in Life Planning Show on News Radio WHP 580. It's the Later in Life Planning Show here on News Radio WHP 580. Now your host, Patrick Colley. I am speaking today about the best approach to planning with the assumption that many people are reevaluating at this time of year. You're reevaluating your fitness goals, your diet goals, and hopefully, if you've been listening to this show, you're reassessing much broader goals. You know, that you're you're facing some level of acceptance of the reality that, you know, the later years of life can come with certain challenges. In fact, uh, it's predictable that certain challenges show up. We have statistics on this. But fortunately, if you've been listening to this show uh, for the last year, you've seen that there's not only legal resources or else, you know, I wouldn't have much to say on this show uh, being from Keystone Elder Law. But there are all kinds of other resources, financial resources, medical resources, uh, caregiver resources, um, just the list goes on and on. And these these never used to exist. I, I think times keep improving as as there are challenges, of course, uh, more solutions arise. Uh, but today I'm focusing on on a general approach to thinking about the later years of life. And really, it comes down to three areas, and they are overlapping. And you've already started to sort of pick up on that, I'm sure, as I'm talking about this. There's incapacity planning. It's just incredibly predictable that you will be less independent uh, in the future than you are right now, more interdependent with other people. And then there's asset protection, because what if incapacity leads to a higher level of care? This is a very predictable phenomenon and an expensive one for an awful lot of people. So asset protection becomes very important. And then finally, you want to think about a distribution plan. So when you've done incapacity right, you did asset protection right, ultimately there's something to distribute and you want that to go right So a little bit more about asset protection. I talked about the power of attorney, your financial power of attorney, and how you want built into that power of attorney some measure of asset protection. And it tends to show up in the language about the power to make gifts. You want it to be unlimited gifting power. And now I'm not saying willy-nilly give away everything that an incapacitated person has. Uh, We do still look out for the possibility of manipulation or... Uh, just outright theft. Uh, So it has to be couched in terms of if this is good for tax avoidance, a lawful tax avoidance, 
then you may transfer unlimited amounts out of my name. Or if the elder law attorney says we can save hundreds of thousands of dollars and get the care that is needed uh, so that a spouse at home doesn't go into poverty, uh, okay, we're going to need to do unlimited transfers of money because somebody has to be broke. That's what the Medicaid rules say, and that's how most people pay for nursing home care over the long haul because they just don't have the cash to pay thirteen, fourteen thousand dollars $14,000 every single month for a very long time. So unlimited gifting in your power of attorney. The Asset Protection Trust, number one, why would you need that? Again, the Medicaid rules, but you know, if you own real estate that does not have your primary residence on it, I, I believe I mentioned in a, a previous episode of this show about a woman in, who's around 90 and she's running out of money in a very fine uh, nursing facility that's providing excellent care, but she's running out of money. And what happens then? She goes on Medicaid. That's the safety net. But she owns a very large uh, tract of real estate uh, that is probably very attractive to developers who want to build houses on it, but she wants that, that property to stay in her name. Well, it was never placed into an asset protection trust. It does not have a house on it. So Medicaid says you are forced to sell the property, and then you have money to pay for your own care or otherwise use an elder law attorney to save as much of that money as possible. So, you know, that's a great example of where if we could turn back time and use a time machine and go back and draft a trust, even even five years ago, I could have done that. Uh, I tend to get nervous when someone is 85 uh, just because you never know what's going to happen with their health. But if you do it at least five years in advance because of the gifting rules, the five-year look back in Medicaid, uh, as long as you make that transfer and five years go by, it's completely protected. It's off the table where Medicaid says, we're not overlooking this tract of land or this beach house you have or the hunting cabin. We're not overlooking secondary properties. You are forced to sell it and then do something with the money uh, to get eligible for Medicaid. Well, a lot of people say, I worked hard for that vacation property. My kids call that their you know, home away from home. That's where their childhood memories are. Uh, the hunting cabin, the, the, the farmland, whatever it is. It's important to your family, and if protecting it, not being forced to sell it is is a goal of yours, then you better be thinking not only about incapacity but asset protection and put it into a trust because that's, that's how you play by the Medicaid rules well in advance. Uh, all kinds of common questions that go with that. Uh, you know, what if I decide to, you know, if I put my primary residence in there, why would I do that? Because if you outlive your spouse or you never had a spouse or you're divorced— uh, you can have a house and be on Medicaid, but then they're coming after it when you pass away. It's it's the government who, trying to get paid back. So they will come after the house. They'll say, sell it, give us all the money. So if preserving the money, the full value of your home is important to you, even if you're currently married, one of you could outlive, the, will outlive the other and then could need uh, nursing home care. You put it into a trust. That's not only incapacity planning, it's also asset protection there's a number of other questions, but I do want to touch on, uh, in my remaining time, the uh, the distribution plan. So if you've done incapacity planning and asset protection the right way, where is the distribution plan showing up? Well, it's financially, it's showing up in your, your beneficiary designations on your life insurance or your retirement accounts. Don't think we're picking up the will for that. That's just a different channel that property goes through. Now, who does it say? You know, is the person still alive? Who's going to receive that money? Is it consistent with your goals? Because you can change those anytime. 
But that's the financial side of it. Legally, it's everything you have in your name alone that has no beneficiary on it, and you don't jointly own it with another person at the time of your death. That's going through your will. Your will is just the, that's what gets you in the front door of the courthouse for the the process called probate. And the property you die owning in your own name goes through probate. So that that's where distribution is going to happen. And if you did the asset protection with a trust, and let's say the trust did everything it was designed to do when you pass away, it protected it from the threats in your life, like long-term care costs. Now I just want my kids to have what I protected. That acts like your will uh, for trust property. Different channel, but then all of that property, your your trust says who gets it and how they get it. Now, this is, remember I said access and control. So why might you, you know, when, when it comes to your incapacity planning, you are giving access and control to another person. You're saying, I am, in, I am doing a legal document, a power of attorney that says you can get into my bank accounts, you can sign my name on an agreement. This is a big deal. But that's what you need for incapacity planning. When you pass away, you might think about limiting access and control for the people who are receiving, inheriting your property and your money. Why might you do that? Well, what if I use the power of attorney to get all the money out of your name so that you're eligible for long-term care Medicaid, and I get all that money into the name of your spouse? Okay, all is well so far. You saved all the money, and you're getting the care you need, and it's paid for. Your spouse isn't worried about going into poverty. But then what happens, and I'm dealing with a case like this right now, What happens if the healthier spouse unexpectedly dies and your will just leaves everything to your spouse with full access and control, no strings attached? Well, all that money comes back to you on Medicaid. Medicaid says you have way too much money, so they go away. You have to privately pay at $13,000 a month. Will there be anything left then when you pass away for children? Probably not, or a whole lot less. And the same is true about the child who has money management problems. Maybe they might be going through a divorce. Maybe they have addictions. Okay, you want to benefit them, but whether it's the spouse on, on Medicaid, if I pass away and my spouse is on Medicaid, I don't want it going to them directly. That will eliminate Medicaid. I don't want money going straight to the child with money management problems because the money will be squandered or worse. Um, so you have it go into, think of it like a pot of money. It's a trust built inside your will, and it just says somebody else holds this and pays for things that this loved one of mine needs without giving it to them and causing bigger problems. That's what you think about limiting access and control. It's building a type of trust inside your will, and inside an asset protection trust, that protects not only for you, your threats during life, but you can also build in uh, against the threats of the next generation. That's up to you, whether it's just an outright, here you go when I'm gone, or whether you continue to have protections built in for the next generation. So there's asset protection even in your distribution plan as well, if you do it right. And it's just anticipating these common threats. If you have an estate plan, did your attorney sit down and talk about incapacity planning, asset protection, and your distribution plan, keeping in mind the way things can play out in the future. That's the way it's supposed to work, and that's the way I encourage you to start thinking about it as you start a new year. Think about those three concepts and the ways you're going to meet those goals. And if we can help you at Keystone Elder Law, I hope you reach out. 
Join me next week for another episode of the Later in Life Planning Show, sponsored by Keystone Elder Law, right here on News Radio WHP 580.